ready to get into the message for today. Hold it up in the air. Amen. Make this confession. Say this out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession. I will meditate in it both day and night. A chapter in the morning, a word in the evening, and because I do, my life is blessed. It's no more a mess. And now everything I touch, come on, everything I touch, it turns to success. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come together to you before you as a family, thanking you for your holy, precious written word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. We ask you to shine the light of your word to us today by the Holy Spirit. Help us to see what it is that you're saying. The message that you have given for us today. We agree together for utterance in the Holy Ghost. That revelation knowledge will flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. We covenant to give you and you only all the glory that will come forth from it. We ask this in Jesus' name and all agree with that prayer said, amen. Amen. Are you ready for the word today? All right. Well, open back with me again to the book of Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. We do have the words on the screen so you can follow along, but Be sure to take notes because this is something that you want to keep in your heart. You always can go back, of course, and all of our messages are free and online. Verse 22 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed. Be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he said will come to pass or will be done. He will have what he says. Therefore, I say to you, What things, whatever things you ask for, when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. (laughs) Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to this. We're continuing today on our series, Have Faith in God. Probably one of the most important messages that I'll ever preach is a message that Jesus spoke to his disciples, and I speak it to you just as if Jesus was standing here, being faced with whatever you're faced with, going through whatever you're going through. How many of you all need help from God in one way or another, in any area of your life? I need help from God. And his message, knowing what it is that we have need, even before we ask, his message to us today is have faith in God. You know that thing that you're dealing with? Have faith in God. 
Yeah, that trouble that you've run up against, have faith in God. Yeah, that financial situation, yeah, have faith in God. You know that family situation, you, you know, you, oh, yeah. He said, have faith in God. Come on, somebody. This is his word to you. No matter what you're facing, have faith in God. So in this series, we've been endeavoring to uh, look at why is this message so important? We looked at that so far, and of course, you can go back and look at it. And we've also covered what does it mean to have faith in God, to do this this way? What does that mean? The question for today, though, is are you fully persuaded? Are you fully persuaded? Because if there is any part of this verse that would be difficult or the part that would mess us up, it would be and doubt not in his heart. It would be the and doubt not in his heart part, right? Because if you do what Jesus says and speak to a mountain and command it to move, to be cast into the sea, it will obey you. If, somebody say if, now that's a big if right there, if you don't doubt in your heart. So if there was any difficult part, it would be on that part. And when you are fully persuaded, that means there's no room for me to doubt. I am absolutely, totally convinced that what God said to me will come to pass no matter what it looks like right now. The question is, are you fully persuaded? Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20. We've looked at this now. I think this will be the third time. And on the subject of faith, this is really one of my favorite passages. And you're going to really see even more so why today. We looked at it in the New American Standard Version of the Bible. It says it this way. Lord, you persuaded me and I let myself be persuaded. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. Now, this is a very peculiar verse of scripture. I chopped off the first part of this because it's fitting. We're talking about faith. Faith by definition. What is faith? Faith is a firm persuasion. If you look it up in Vines Dictionary, which is a Bible dictionary, Vines defines the Greek word for faith as firm persuasion. Somebody say firm persuasion. It's a conviction based upon hearing. Now, the Bible does not redefine faith. It redirects it. Ooh, I'm preaching good. Let me say it again. Firm persuasion existed before these words were written. When words were developed, they, 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 they developed a word that when somebody persuades you and you're absolutely convinced, I, you know, I would ask for a show of hands. How many of y'all believe that the temperatures are because of global warming? Now, don't put your hands up. You are not no climatologist. Come on, somebody. You would only say it's getting hotter now because of global warming, because of what you heard. Unless you've gone to school for climatology and have some proof of the change in climate beyond the last 200 years. Come on, somebody. And the earth's been around a long time. Anyway, firm persuasion. Somebody say firm persuasion. 
The Bible does not redefine faith. Faith already existed. When he spoke to these disciples and said, have faith in God, they knew what faith was because they used it all the time. It is a firm persuasion. It's when you're convinced about something just based on what you're. All of us were convinced to buy something, even though we may have regretted it later. We sat down by faith. We mailed something. But you all get the illustration, right? Faith, the Bible doesn't redefine faith. It redirects it. So this scripture in Jeremiah 20, verse 7, the first part of it is extremely fitting because we're talking about having faith in God. And this verse talks about being persuaded and particularly being persuaded by God. Put it back up again, the first part. He says, Lord, you have persuaded me. I'm not talking about some salesman. Right? Jeremiah is talking to God. God, you persuaded me. And he takes one step. I let myself. You ever let somebody talk you into something? Come on. I know everybody that let somebody talk them into something. And here we are, right? I left myself. But then he goes on and all the rest of this stuff is negative. He says, you have overcome me and prevailed. Keep going. He says, I have become a laughing. In other words, because I let you persuade me, I'm overcome. I'm prevailed against. People are laughing. Everybody is mocking me. Let's actually look at this out of the King James Version of the Bible. Now, we use the New King James most often. We use King James because when, in 1611, when King James, uh, he commissioned a group of uh, theologians to put into the English language a very accurate copy of the Bible, right? The Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and then in Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. And so he wanted it in the English language, and he didn't want uh, a uh, he, he didn't want people to put their opinion. He wanted, as it, best he could, to get a word for word translation. He wanted to go as close to the original text as he could. In 1611, when the king, when the, those scholars did this, they wrote it with a different word. We saw the New American Standard, but in the King James, Jeremiah says, "Lord." You have, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than me, and I've, and, and have prevailed against me. I am in derision daily. Everyone is mocking me. Somebody said, wow. When I was studying this, it was years ago, this was a real discovery. I looked up in the Bible every word that could be translated persuaded. And I came to this particular verse. And I had to scratch my head for a while because of the content, because of what he was saying. Actually, I'm going to need Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7, uh, verse 7 through 9. I'm going to need all three verses. Um, so I looked up this, and, and the word used for deceived actually could also be translated persuaded. Well, if faith is a firm persuasion and God persuaded them, This fits my life because above all, I want to be persuaded by God. And here's a man talking about being persuaded by God. So I'm all ears. Not that I need to be. Y'all leave my ears alone now. I'm all ears. 
And when you look at what he's saying, it absolutely fits your life. Thank you for listening so carefully today. Look at this again. I'm going to read all three verses and I'll come back and break it down. Verse 7 says, Oh Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You're stronger than me and you have prevailed. I am in derision, which is confusion. I am confused daily. Everybody is mocking me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. For I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. How many have ever heard about the word being like a fire shut up in his bones? This is that context. And it's kind of like he's frustrated with God. He's saying, God, you spoke to me about something. As far as I'm concerned in this moment, you lied to me. (laughs) That sounds like the movie. Come on, y'all help me. Y'all stay with me now. Somebody say, God, you have deceived me. That's like saying, God, you lied to me. Am I right? He said, you have to put it back up for me. Verse 7, God, you have deceived me and I was deceived. What are you talking about? How many of y'all know God doesn't deceive anybody? How many of y'all know that's true? But it sounds like he deceived Jeremiah, if nobody else. Jeremiah said, God, you deceived me. You lied to me. And I, I am deceived as a result of it. And things aren't going well. I cried out as a result of what you said to me. And it comes back on me. But your word, what you, oh, glory to God. Say with me. Go to verse number nine. Oh, Father, help me today. Help me today. He said, I he said, I got to the point where I said, you know, I've been, I told everybody what you told me to tell. I said what I heard. You, you told me and I said it. I'm a prophet. I'm the one you used to speak your word in the earth. You say something to me and I'll say it to them. But I said it to them and they laughed at me. I said it to them and they said, I started mocking me. And when, when, and the way they responded to what the word of God was, the, the way they responded started confusing me. Maybe I didn't hear what God said. Maybe God didn't say that to me. Maybe I didn't understand that right because they're not receiving it and so I just decided I'm not going to say it no more I said in my heart I'm not going to make mention of God anymore I'm not going to speak in his name anymore but what you told me your word in me was like a burning fire oh y'all gotta help me today What you said to me was in me like a fire I tried to hold it back but I couldn't keep it in. This is good. Because there are some of you that are here, you heard God, he was trying to persuade you about marriage. But for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. He, He was trying to persuade you about a child. But for whatever reason, it hasn't manifested yet. 
He was trying to persuade you about something, uh, you know, the, the, the tra- trajectory of your life financially. And, and you'd like to believe it, but because of the course of the world and things that have happened in your life, you're confused. What you have heard from God doesn't match what you see right now in your everyday life. Oh, man. Give me a church. Come on, somebody. And it can be very confusing when you hear God say to you, this is my will. I know the thoughts and plans for your life. I know it. And and, and you believe it and you hear it. But then you're confused because it's not happening. It'll make you almost like the first part of this verse. Lord, you, you lied to me about. You all remember there's a story about the prophet Elijah. He went to this lady and he, she had done something real good for him and he wanted to do something good for her. And uh, she was like, I'm good. And then the servant was like, well, she doesn't have a child. And she, he, the prophet said to her, by this time next year, you're going to have a baby. Amen. You know what her response was? Don't lie to me, man of God. Yeah. Don't lie to me. I want that too much. I've wanted that for years. I've gotten to the place where I can live to a certain degree and be at peace. Don't stir that back up again. Oh, man. Don't lie to me, man of God. But we're not talking about a man of God. We're talking about the prophet. God spoke to him, persuaded him to believe something. And he believed it. But then it didn't look like What God said was coming to pass. My question to you is, are you fully persuaded by God? Are you fully persuaded by God? God is not the one deceiving you. The translators really made a mistake. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not a theologian or a a scholar with degrees. And, you know, I went to Bible school and all that. You would consider me a theologian. But not like these to translate from, you know, Hebrew to an English language. But I, I don't like the King James translation. Because that's not God to lie to you. Come on, y'all help me now. Let's get past this part. It's not like God to lie to you. If he's given you a vision for your life, even if it looks impossible, he's not lying. He's not the one lying you. Have you ever heard the expression, let God be true and let everybody else be a lie? How many of you have heard that? That's actually uh, the truth. But notice this. John, Jesus spoke about the devil and lying, which separates God from lying. In John chapter 8, verse 44, now we're back on track. You are of your father the devil, Jesus said, and the desires of your father you will will want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. How many of them know the opposite of the truth is a lie? He doesn't stand in the truth, and because there is no truth in him, the devil, there's no truth in him. Next part says, when he speaks a lie, he speaks where? From his own resources. Why? Because he is a liar. Who's a liar? The devil's a liar. Somebody said the devil is a liar. Who's a The devil, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar. And what? He is the, come on, and what? The father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. So you know God ain't going to Satan to borrow a lie to tell you. 
Oh, come on, come on. God is not going to Satan, who's the father of life. He invented it. He created it. He, he came up with lying. There was not a lie before Satan. Once Satan came, he, had, he invented lying as a way. God doesn't borrow from the devil to communicate to you. He's not deceiving you about his plans and purposes for your life, for your family, and for your future. When he tells you something, you can be rest assured. And as the scripture says, let God in your life be true. And if anybody's lying, it's anybody else. Every man a liar. But in you, you've got to let God be true. And every man a liar. Look at Romans Chapter 3. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know I'm speaking to a people and I'm speaking to myself. Things that God has spoken. This church owns a debt-free building in Jesus' name. We do. We sowed a seed. We've sown significant seed. And in the realm of the spirit, it exists. There's a property with our name on it. There's a building, praise God, that that belongs to Houston Faith Family Church Incorporated. And there's no loan on it, which is like crazy in the world today. Who does that? Who does debt free? Who lives? Who buy? Who? What business out? Very few, right? And man, that word can be in you and you could you could give that out and people can look at you like, how can you do that? How can you? What makes you think God makes me think that God has persuaded me that if you sow a seed, give it, give it time, it will produce a harvest. I'm fully persuaded. I have no doubt in my heart in my lifetime, this church will own its own building debt free. I pray you be around long enough to see it. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Because if you're not fully persuaded by that, oh, I don't know. I just don't know, right? But if you stay long enough and you stay convinced and you are fully persuaded, we're going to celebrate it. We're going to walk around it. We're going to dance in it. We're going to shout in it, no matter how crazy it seems. But what has God spoken to you? What is in you like a fire that you just can't hold back? There are things that God has spoken to me that are like that. God is not the one that lied to you. Satan is the father of lies. Let God be true and every man a liar. Where did that come from? It comes from Romans chapter 3. So let's look at that. In Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says this. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God... Without effect. The answer is God forbid. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written, thou mightest be justified in thy, in thy sayings and mightest overcome when you are judged. Obviously, as it is written, is referring about God. He's saying to God that you, God, might be justified in what you have spoken. In the end, the truth is going to come out. Amen. Who's right and who's wrong? What was and what was not? And he says, let God be justified in what he has said and that he would overcome when he is just. Who's going to judge God? People do it all the time. God, this is not right. God, this is that. And they accuse God. Amen. 
But now let's walk back into this. He says, God be uh, God forbid. Let God be true and every man a liar. And he says that in the context of faith. In the context of God persuading you, you've got to let yourself be persuaded to believe again. You gave up hope. You gave up believing. You stopped. You doubted in your heart that what he said would come to pass. He says, no, you've got to let what God say be true. You've got to let yourself be fully persuaded by God on this issue. Am I preaching good? Now, he's talking about the subject of faith when he says, let God be true and let every man else be alive. How do you know that? Go back to verse 3. How do we get there? Verse 3 says, for what if some don't believe? We talked about people who were mocking and, and the confusion that came after you shared what you believe you heard from God. The confusion that came, the mocking that came, they were laughing stuff. You, you, you know, God, you, you persuaded me and I let myself be persuaded and I cried out. I said it. I proclaimed it. I cast it. But now it's coming back on me. And I tried to hold it back. I'm going to hold it back. But then I couldn't. The word was in me like a fire shut up in my bones. But then Paul asked the question, well, what if some don't believe? You know, you believe in to someday be married? Oh, he's getting quiet in this church. You believing for your marriage? You believe it for something financially. You believe in for a, a miracle of healing for your body. You believe that God can heal. You believe that this is God's will for your life. But what if somebody else don't believe? Does that impact what you believe? <laughs> Y'all going to help me today. This is going somewhere. They may not believe you'll ever get there. There's a lot that may, may not believe we'll ever get there. But here's a good question. Well, what if there are people that don't believe what God said to you about his plans for your life? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God of no effect? Can their unbelief nullify what you believe in? He said, God forbid that. As a matter of fact, let what God told you be true and let what anybody else says be a lie. Oh, come on, somebody. You know, it could bother you what other people believe. Well, they said, you know, we got little ones, you know, four years. You know, now he's five. Actually, my baby son's birthday is today. Yeah, it's today, right? Five years old. I mean, as a matter of fact, who has kids at 45? <laughs> I did. I did. Right? It's kind of like don't make sense, but man, I'm thankful. Hey, don't mess with me. I got an uncle. My mother's brother recently had a baby, and he's 60. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Woo, I got a first cousin after all these 45. <laughs> But think about how crazy some of the things that, that, that the, how crazy sounding some things that God could speak. I mean, who? Abraham? He and his wife, before they met God, couldn't have babies. And yet when God 
met, when, when God spoke to him, he said, I want you to leave your family, your father's house, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make you a great nation, a nation of people. And he obeyed. God showed up again and said to Abram, I'm going to get, look up at the stars and see if you can number. I'm going to give you children like the number of the stars. It sounded crazy. But Abram let God fully persuade him that at the age of 99, he changed his name to father of many nations. He went from Abram to Abraham. And he would tell people in the marketplace, no, don't call me that anymore. Uh, I'm Abraham, which means I'm the father of many nations. See, some of us don't even want to talk about what we're believing for because it sounds crazy. Come on. You know, you, you've stopped talking about, well, you know, when, when, when I get married, you know, we're going to do such and such and such and such. Oh, man. And see how quiet they got? When we pay this house off, then we're going to believe for another house to have a summer place. Oh, we don't, we don't want to talk these amazing big things that you believe that God has shown you for you. And yet you withhold because of being not fully persuaded. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief, what if some don't believe that we can have a debt-free building or be able to do a tremendous work in this community? Shall their unbelief nullify? And sometimes people are concerned that, you know, well, you know, they're, 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 I just can't kind of get them to believe like that. And so, well, man, that's holding me back. No, that's not holding you back. All you need is faith in God. Allow yourself to be persuaded. He says, God forbid, let God be true, every man. What does that mean? If what God is telling you seems to be far-fetched and beyond reach, amen. Let God be true and let everybody else be alive. Besides, if you start speaking to mountains, then people are going to call you crazy. Come on, he's telling them literally, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and not down his heart. Who speaks to mountain? He says, if you do, it'll move, it'll obey you, even if they call you crazy. If you don't doubt in your heart, it's going to come to pass. Somebody say, it's going to come to pass. Don't let what people say bother you. I'll say it on this side. Don't let... What people say bother you. You believe God. Allow God. This message is all about allowing God to fully persuade you. Other people's doubt and unbelief should not nullify the effect of your faith. Turn over to one chapter from from Romans 3 to Romans 4. We're going to look at verse 17 through 21. Verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. Talk about Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which is spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now dead 
when he was about 100 years old, he was 99, neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was 90. Verse 20. He didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. He was what? Strong in faith. Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded, somebody say fully persuaded, there it is, that what God had promised, he, God, was able to perform it. Whoo, man. So we're talking about Abraham in Romans chapter 4. This is right after Romans 3. Shall other people's unbelief Make your belief of none effect. He said, God forbid. You let God be true and let everybody else be a lie. And then he gives us the example of Abraham who changed his name to a father of many nations. Look at verse 18. He changed his name to a father of many nations at 99 years old. The Bible says in verse 18, who against hope. Believed in hope. They say there's a better chance for you to be struck by lightning than for you to be married at a certain age. At this point, you might as well give it up. <laughs> Why is it so quiet in the church? I mean, what are the... What's, be, come on, Pastor Stan, be realistic about this building. Come on, come on, Pastor Stan, be, be realistic about this sickness and disease. Nobody can be healed. I mean, this is, I mean, the doctor didn't tell me, I have this. I believe that I'll live with this for the rest of my life. Yet you serve God who is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you from the crown of your head to the sole of your head. So this is why the prophets come and say, well, whose report are you going to believe? Belief means firmly persuaded. Whose report are you going to be firmly persuaded about? If God is God, believe him. And if the doctor is God, then believe him. But the choice, why halt ye between two? Am I preaching too hard? Am I preaching too strong? I'm trying to help you for that thing that God promised you when you were a young man. That thing that God promised you when you were a young woman. Don't don't let your dreams die. Keep hope alive. Abraham, when he was 99 years old, never having had a baby, he believed against hope that he would be the father of many nations. According to what God had spoken to him, being not weak in faith, he didn't consider the contradictory circumstances. His body was old, you know, it wasn't working like you were supposed to work to have babies. Come on, somebody, y'all help me now. He considered not his own body, neither the deadness of, of Sarah's room. She technically would, would be infer, inf, infertile. You know, she's not able to carry a baby, not able to have it, never was able to have a baby. But he didn't consider, listen, the contradictory circumstances. When we first moved into this area to establish Faith Family Church, land was at $100,000 an acre. At Fiesta, which is at 529 in Fry Road, there's a Fiesta market. There was a big plot of land before that was, uh, before they developed it. It was a $100,000 an acre. That was back in about 2009, 2010. My brother looked it up in 2010. Today, in the same area, it's a million dollars an acre. Are we going to consider the contradictory circumstances? 
Not if you're going to be firm, fully persuaded. You know it. And so whatever it is that you are believing for, it may seem and look impossible. But I'm saying to you, let God be true and let everything else be a lie. If he said it, he's able to perform it. That's exactly where he went with it. Verse, verse 20 says, he staggered not at what God promised him through unbelief. Unbelief, doubt, and unbelief are on the same plane. He said, if you say it with your mouth and don't doubt it in your heart, don't disbelieve it. Don't doubt what God said. If you don't have unbelief in your heart, it'll come to pass. Come on. But was strong in faith, giving God, glory to God. Verse 21 says, and being fully persuaded what God had promised, he was able to perform. How many of y'all know if God said it, he can bring it to pass? Let me get ready to close with this. Jesus' message to us is to have faith in God. Very simple, just four words. What is he saying? Be firmly persuaded in God. Be firmly persuaded. Another way to, to say that is be fully persuaded by God. There's a verse in Romans chapter 14 that talks about Jesus, the Lord Jesus persuading you. It says, I know and I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus. Not only should you let God persuade you, but let the Lord Jesus, when he tells you, have faith in God, let the Lord Jesus persuade you. Somebody say, let the Lord persuade you. This is actually letting God, letting the Lord persuade you is actually how faith comes. A lot of Christians believe that faith comes just by hearing. That is true in part. It's not complete. It's totally incomplete. Just hearing God say something to you doesn't mean that you're firmly persuaded of what he said. And it certainly doesn't mean that you're fully persuaded by it. What are you talking about? The way you get to the place of being fully persuaded by God goes beyond just hearing a word from God. It's what you do after you hear from God that determines if you'll be firmly persuaded. Oh, can I share one more thing with you? Go to Romans chapter 10. Because if I were to ask you, how does faith come? Most Christians will tell you faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They believe that just because you hear God you automatically have faith. But it doesn't work like that. That's part of it. Really can't be persuaded without hearing because you've got to be convinced based upon what you hear, right? You've got to be persuaded. That means somebody talked you into believing that, right? But it doesn't, it, it's, it's incomplete. Watch this. Oh, I don't have time. But start at verse number 16. Romans chapter 10, verse 16 says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. What are you talking about? For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Question mark. I just quoted that. Say, Lord, who has believed our report? Look at the next verse. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, period. And the next verse, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, they heard. Their sound went out into the, all the earth. And their words went out until the ends of the world. I don't have time, but from verse 14 to verse 19, 
he is asking a series of questions in every verse except verse 17. Put verse 17 back up. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they be said? He's asking a question. There's questions in every verse from 14 all the way down to 19. Why the translators put a period where, where there should have been a question mark, I don't know. And because they put a period where God put a question mark, it leads people to believe that all they got to do is hear a message and they would have faith in God. But that's not what he was saying here. Look at verse 17. If you ask it as a question, it changes the whole thought. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He's saying, in other words, Lord, who has believed our report? Are you telling me that people get faith just by hearing and hearing the word of God? Look at the next verse. Have they not all heard? But they didn't believe. Didn't their voice go out? But they didn't have faith. So there must be something beyond hearing that we must do in order to be firmly persuaded. It's accepting this truth what you hear. You don't just get faith because you hear it because somebody else can talk you out of it. You get faith when you hear it and you decide, God said this to me and I don't care what anybody else says, I'm holding on to God. That is accepting as truth what God said. Oh, it's quiet in this church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How you get to the place of being fully persuaded is not just by hearing, but accepting as truth what you hear. God shows you a vision of your future. What do you have to do? You got to say, well, God, you're true. I know the lawyer said this ain't going to work out. I know the doctor said this don't look good. Come on. I know my neighbor said that this is the way this is going to be. I know my family member said this has got to happen this way. I know other people, but God, you said it. Oh, man. I believe it. And I'm convinced of it. I'm fully persuaded by it. I accept what you say as the truth and Somebody say, everything else is a lie. Satan's been trying to lie to people from the beginning of time. Hath God, did God really say that you were going to die? You're not going to die. God said, if you do this, this is going to happen. Did God say that? You're not going to die. He was lying from the beginning. And because Eve was not fully persuaded, she drew back from the commandment of God and didn't fully experience the blessing of what the Lord had promised. I want every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. Nobody moving, nobody walking. God's talking to you. There are things that he has shared with you that you've given up on, that you've let go of circumstances contradictory to the promise of God have almost talked you out of what the God of the universe has portioned for your life. Rekindle the fire of faith in your heart today. 
by allowing yourself to be fully persuaded by God to believe. Keep your head down for a moment. I know the circumstances look bad concerning marriage. There are some that the marriage doesn't look good right now and could be heading in the wrong direction. But it's God's will for this marriage to succeed and to be healthy. You have a choice. Believe God or believe what you see. What you see is like the deadness of Sarah's womb. What you see is the body of Abraham, now dead. The thought of being married again, you've gone and vacillated back and forth. There's times that you've believed and then you could care less whether you ever got married or not. You've got to make a choice. It's a choice. Whose report will you believe? If God has given you a vision of marriage, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what you've been through in this life, if that's what God wants for your life and you want it, you can have it. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise. Father, I pray over every person in the sound of my voice. There's some young people in here today. God's shown you a successful future for your life. And already, even at high school, even out of high school, just as a young adult, it doesn't look like your life is headed towards that successful dream that you had once believed. Keep hope in you alive. My word to you, young person, is hope against hope. Maybe nobody in your family has ever owned their own business or graduated from college and did, you know, some remarkable, successful thing. Why not you? Maybe you've had a troubled past and you just, you know, are glad to, you know, just be almost to just be okay. No, God's plan for your life is for you to be do big things. Dream big is what I'm saying to you. Allow God to shape your life and your future by his words, by his will. And it will come to pass. Amen. Do you all receive that today? Thank you, Lord. If you're here and you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus, I want to pray with you or for you. I want to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud. If you mean it from your heart, God will save you right where you sit. If you're here and you're not born again, if you pray this and believe it, God will save you from hell and make heaven your home. For those of you that are online, this applies to you as well in person or online, if you want to rededicate your life. Maybe you've gotten into sin, you know the Lord, but you need to come back home. Today is the day. Now is the time. I want to ask the congregation to pray this out loud. Affirm, affirm your faith, and let's believe together. Say this. God in heaven, I come to you today to give you my life. 
My life belongs to you now. I do believe that Jesus Christ, he is the son of God. He died for me, bearing my sins for me. They put him in a grave, but I believe he is alive. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent for all my sins, and I accept your offer of forgiveness. Therefore, I am cleansed. Heaven is now my home. I am born again. In Jesus' name. Congratulations. Put your hands together for those.